Hi everybody and thanks for tuning in to another Life Lessons With. So I'm Donna Elliott and I'm with Cheryl Lee. Hi. From Now Is Your Time. Um, and today we've got another beautiful guest. Today we're with Mariah Aronardigi. And, and Mariah's going to tell me whether or not I pronounced her name properly in a second. <laughs> you got it. It was good. Perfect. <laughs> That's when we're English. Um, and um, Mariah is another great friend of ours that we've forged a friendship over um, a social media channel that we use to help female entrepreneurs. And Mariah herself is a really powerful female entrepreneur. And she's going to tell us a little bit about that. Um, Mariah's story, really, we're going to start off when she was four and when she was actually diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, um, which is such a young age, Mariah, to be diagnosed with something like that. So hi, welcome. Hi. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we're so pleased to have you. We've just been pausing, guys, for photographs on Instagram. This is what I've <laughs> done with the kids now. Pausing for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so just talk to us then. How did how come that you were diagnosed with such and I know people like who are adults who haven't been properly diagnosed with that in the UK until a much later age. Yeah. So how did that come about? Well, I was actually, I guess you could say lucky. So I wasn't the only person in my family with bipolar disorder. So um, my mom also had it and my sister also had it. So when they noticed I was acting a little, you know, a little loopy, <laughs> they decided to, you know, take me to the psychiatrist, figure out what happened. And um, they actually found out that I got diagnosed with, I had bipolar disorder, a very mild epilepsy and um, ADD as well. So, wow. um, yeah. So... So what was, your words, loopy, I'm not calling loopy, you loopy. Yeah. <laughs> what was it then, Mariah, that that was happening? Like that they recognized that prompted them to take you to the doctors? Okay, so um, one of the main characteristics of bipolar disorder is that you're very up and down. So mm -hmm. one moment I'd be like on top of the world, I'd be having fun, running around laughing, and then the next moment I'll be screaming at the top of my lungs, mm -hmm. um, mad at everyone, throwing things, you know, throwing tantrums. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's amazing though, because, you know, like my little boy's five, for mm -hmm. example, and if he has days where he behaves like that, I just kind of go, oh, he's five, you know? Mm -hmm. So, can you explain to us exactly what bipolar is? Because I think there'll be people listening to this today that mm -hmm. might have those symptoms themselves or have seen other people in the family mm -hmm. with them and don't recognize that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So quite, there's quite a few things, a lot of things that go, that go into a lot of symptoms that could come out of it. Um, me especially, I have, so you can have like either mania or like manic depression. So it's where you have go into like extreme so I'd be like on top of the world for like two weeks. I'd be getting all my work done. I'd be on top of my stuff. Um, and I'd feel like I'm having the greatest week ever. And then out of nowhere, you just boom, drop, and you'd just be depressed. And you wouldn't be able to even get out of bed. Um, also, I'd be very, very intense. So um, my eyes would always be like bug-eyed open. And I'd always be talking for like 20 miles a minute. Um, and just always bothering my mom at every two minutes, asking her questions, asking her for help here and there. And, um, a lot of, um, anxiety, a lot of, um, very many, you have a lot of suicidal tendencies with bi come with bipolar disorder. You have someone who's kind of always wanting to commit suicide. And I, 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 always tried to commit suicide all the time. And it's like, it's not like my life was bad. I had an amazing life. I have amazing parents living in an amazing community, 
just uh, I had a wonderful life, but it's just some some chemicals in my brain caused me to I would distort stories in my head a lot. So um, things wouldn't actually happen, but I'd pretend like NLP, like I'd pretend things were actually happening and they weren't. It was just a story that was created in my mind because my thoughts were going 20 miles a minute. I couldn't really grab a hold of what's reality, what is real and what's not. Uh, if that sort of makes sense to you guys. Mm. Yeah, it does. That must be scary as well. Especially as a little like, person, like yeah. trying to <laughs> kind of, well, because that's your normal, right? I guess if yeah. you grow up with that, you don't know any yeah. that's yeah. to you what existing and thinking must yeah. feel like. Yeah, yeah. It, it was my normal. And my parents would drag me from psychiatrist to psychiatrist and be like, mom, dad, but what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with me. And I think something that happens to a lot of kids when they're um, diagnosed with bipolar at such a young age is they grow up thinking that they're crazy, right? I, I didn't, I thought I was a normal kid, but then my parents were dragging me to, to God bless their soul. It was out of the goodness of their heart, but they were dragging me to all these psychiatrists trying to force me to take these pills. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I not a normal kid? So mm -hmm. you, you grow up having bipolar disorder. You grow up with these labels that of, of crazy, that the world puts on you and you feel like you have to play into them. Mm -hmm. So you do things that even if they're not in tune with who you are, you do them because you feel, okay, the world says I'm crazy. So I must act like I'm crazy so I could fit these labels. Um, and I think it's a huge stigma right now in, in bipolar where I think really needs to get broken um, down. Like you, like I, I saw myself doing all these crazy things just for, just to play out this I'm crazy role, which really was not who I was. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think in general, that's what you do, especially as a younger person or as you're forming your opinion, you're kind of yeah. testing out. Is that, Cheryl, you, you very much did that in some ways, didn't you, when you were growing up? Yeah, because I was, because I was struggling to understand what my identity was, therefore struggled to feel accepted. Then I was playing, being someone who I wasn't just to fit in with the crowd. So yeah. Now when I look back at some of the things I did and the way I behaved, it's so not me. However, at the time, I didn't know that I was doing that. I was just, that's what I was doing. I didn't know why. That's just... Autopilot. What I had to do, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh, yeah, yeah. So what, how was that an impact then when you were growing up, when you were at school? How did this impact you? Okay, so... Um, so I, I... How it impacted me, me specifically, is I had an older sister who also had bipolar disorder. Um, and she was much more on the it was much more intense for her. It was much worse. Um, and growing up, I always saw her and I was like, and, and my parents were always scared that I was going to turn out like her. So I would rebel and I would do things that, um, how, how can I put this? So I would, I would do things for attention. Like I, when I was in the eighth grade, I, I literally ran away from home. I had a beautiful home, beautiful life. But I, I ran away because I felt like that's what I had to do. My sister ran away from home at a young age. They always were nervous I was going to turn out like her. So those fears, your fears usually come to pass. So I ended up turning out like her at age of 18, um, not even age of 16, 17. I actually ran away from home. And it wasn't that I actually wanted to. It was just that I felt, okay, I'm living in my sister's shoes. She has bipolar as well. My parents are scared. I'm going to turn out like her. So I must do the things she does. And I, and I did the things she does, but on a very mild, mm -hmm. I think I was lucky enough where I had someone to, to see and someone to see, okay, I don't want to turn out like this. Mm -hmm. So something needs to change. So, um, 
that's sort of how that impacted me if that did that answer your question well? yeah and then you said it as well almost almost flippantly to be honest that you had like suicidal thoughts all the time I mean how old were you when you remember having thoughts like that so my first time um carrying it out I was actually 12 years old so pretty young yeah can you talk us through what happened um so I was in school and I, I got bullied a lot for uh, lying. Um, I was in a, I was like, like I mentioned, no, that was a little bad. Okay, so I got bullied a lot in school. Um, I went to eight different schools, so a lot of different bullying stories. Like almost every school I got bullied in. But again, that was my, my putting labels on it. So I, I was in school and I was getting really bullied and I, I was begging my parents, can you just take me out of the school? Can you just take me out of the school? And, and they wouldn't take me out because where we lived, it was um, a bit of a dangerous neighborhood. So they didn't want to send me to the public school. They wanted to send me to a nice private school. Mm -hmm. um, so I was getting bullied there and I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to end. So might as well just end my life. Right. So yeah, that was one of my first ones. One wow. of the first ones. So this is yeah. a repeating, this isn't just something no it's it's been so when I'm off my because remember I, I always refuse to take my medicine so when I'm on my medicine it, it's going good but one of the things with the side effects with um the my bipolar medication is you become very antisocial and you become very quiet and just not yourself and and just drudging through life so I always sort of refuse to take my medicine so I've tried quite a few times to to kill myself in the in recent years too. And it wasn't until I came across um, what I do now for a living, which is neurohacking, that I've really been able to gain it. It wasn't until, so a lot of times through life, and especially when you have these emotional disorders, you are taught to suppress your feelings. Mm -hmm. You're taught that you're not supposed to be feeling what you're supposed to be feeling, so you have to suppress them. Mm -hmm. um, and I was suppressing all these emotions and it wasn't until I really allowed myself to feel the feelings I was feeling and I allowed myself to be okay with feeling the emotions I was feeling that I was really able to get control of my suicidal thoughts. And it's been about one year and it's about the longest I've been without having any of those tendencies. So, that's so yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, honestly. <laughs> It was, it was weird that, well, I, I don't think it's weird because everything happens for a reason, but I was just listening to a podcast this morning. It was actually Brene Brown. And she was saying about how people don't talk about the really awful stuff enough. We grew up in a society where we're like, well, feeling like that isn't going to help and you've got to be positive. Mm -hmm. And, da, 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 and yeah. we just covers yeah. over it. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, if people talk about feeling ill or feeling mentally ill, what we kind of go, oh, okay. Mm. But on the positive, look at all of this. Yeah, and you've got all yeah. this. And yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we're so quick to want to move that we don't talk about yeah. what it's like to really feel like that and understand that if you feel like that, it's okay to feel like that. Talk about yeah. how you're yeah. feeling and then work through it, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to really have a moment to really feel your feelings out or else there's no healing that can happen. You know, healing happens at the intersection of pain and love. So when you're feeling an immense amount of pain, but you find the courage to love yourself and you find the courage to be okay with the pain you're feeling, that's when true healing happens. Yeah. And I was going through so long, not allowing myself to heal, not allowing myself to really feel the feelings. And that's why I believe I was trying to commit suicide so much because I just had no other way to 
and I had no other outlet. I thought that that would be like deep down inside. I knew I was meant for so much more. And I knew that that wasn't, wasn't what I would become. And it was, um, I have on my wall actually written about a year ago, I was going to kill myself for one of the stupidest reasons. And I, and I, I, a best friend texted me and I was just like, why am I living like this? Why? And I wrote on, I wrote on my, my window, inspire, create. And I made a decision from that moment on, I was not going to feel this way ever again, that I was going to inspire others to feel their feelings, to rise above their feelings. And I think that's something with my company I've been able to, mm. to achieve. Mm. So, yeah. Inspire and create. <laughs> yeah. And yes, I love that amazing. quote, though, that yeah. here it happens at the intersection of pain mm -hmm. and love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't get that. Um, I, I, re I read that from somewhere, heard that on a podcast, but it's really true and it's really beautiful and it's something to really hold to mind and remember next time you're feeling down that it's okay to feel down. Mm -hmm. that when you're feeling down, that's when the real change occurs. Mm -hmm. so when you're feeling down to hold on a little bit longer because there's a breakthrough about to happen at the end of that pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So neurohacking. Yes. What, what is, is this? I've written down neurohacking. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about biohacking. Yes, week biohacking. It's, yeah. Neurohacking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a similar um, thing as biohacking. Um, I'm sure you've heard of different terms and you kind of heard what it is. So it's a three-step. Well, um, I personally created it into a three-step process. Um, so the first one is getting really clear on your vision, getting really clear on your hopes and dreams for the future. What do you want to leave behind on this earth? Um, I think when you have um, a vision in mind, it's really something that really helps you keep going, keep showing up every day and keep trying to become a better person. Mm. And then the step two is um, of neurohacking is to clear out all your thoughts. So I've been doing personal development and diving deep into personal development for about six years now. But it wasn't until I came across this idea. See, we, we, we spend so much time trying to personal develop and trying to stick positivity into our brains, but we don't understand that we're trying to stick, like me, it was, I was trying to stick six years of personal development into a brain that had 20 plus years of Mm -hmm. really tough. I don't know if I can curse but crap like yeah. really stuck into your brain yeah so it wasn't until I and so the second part of neurohacking is really clearing out using forgiveness using um mindfulness using all these different techniques I have different exercises that I go through to really clear out all the negative thoughts yeah. um all the negative resentments everything in there every emotion in there that's blocking your pathway to well, for me, I'm for, I do it for entrepreneurs, so for success or even in, in life. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third part of that is mental reprogramming. So building up all positive beliefs, building up, um, um, I, I go with my clients and I create different systems. So whenever they're feeling down, they can use those systems to really build in belief, affirmations, things like that, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Yeah. So, and, and so how was this born? Where did it come from? Um, so I've taken, I took a few different courses. So, um, I don't know if you ever heard of manifestation, babe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she was one of the first courses I've taken. And then it just, I uh, using one of her methods as well as combining just different things I've learned throughout the years. Um, I've perfected it and, and went in and really created something pretty powerful. I believe. I love it. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that for now then? 
so it's only been about a year. So it's baby, it's baby vision, it's a baby company, but um, I'm going to be launching my first, I've coached only about, let's say three or four people through yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be launching my program actually today. So yeah. we'll get more news on that. Okay. From that. <laughs> so what, what is your big vision now? Because I know when we spoke earlier, you know, you want, you want to take all of this experience and make it into something really beautiful. So just tell everybody what you're going to try and achieve. Or what you're going to achieve, not try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what I'm going to achieve. So, I, and and one thing I've noticed in the entrepreneurial industry, I've been an entrepreneur. This is my, this company's only been alive for about um, three months now, but I've been an entrepreneur for about three years. And one thing I really noticed in the entrepreneurial industry is everyone's thoughts are going like 50 miles an hour. We're constantly living in the future. We're constantly living in stress, anxiety fear, worry. And, and we think we have to do that. We think that's just a way like we think that's just entrepreneurs have to live that way. But it's not right. There's a there's another side of it. And I really want to use this me- this message. I really want to use the message of my bipolar disorder of everything together to just revolutionize an industry and just eliminate this idea that we need to build our businesses living in fear, anxiety and worry every day because we don't. It's mm-hmm. something we choose to do. Fear, anxiety, worry, stress, those are all conscious choices, whether we realize it or not. And it's it's the really successful ones. It's the ones, it's the, the manifestation babes. It's the James Wedmores. It's the really successful business owners um, that they're able to really realize that they choose that their emotions and they step into their greater entrepreneurial self before they get there. And that's what really drives their business. So I want to revolutionize the industry and just completely get rid of this idea that we need to live in fear. We need to live in stress and just mental health problems be gone, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. I, I think mm. it's in, um, it might be in the, is it one of the Gabby Bernstein books? I think when we were reading it, that it's, she sort of says that, you know, it doesn't, success doesn't yeah, have to right. come on the back of everything being really hard and tough. It's like you have to earn it by going through all of this yeah, pain. Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs that we've met, that's been a real common theme. Probably mm-hmm. brought on generations before them that nothing comes easy and mm-hmm. it has to be earned and it has to be hard, painful yeah. and it has to be, you know. You've got <laughs> otherwise, to be Yeah, you didn't yeah. Really earn it that'll that'll cause you to lose your business and and that's that's how i lost my first business was with those beliefs so i really want to change the way people think because that it doesn't have to be that way and and by making it that way we're only limiting our success we're only limiting our our ability to feel happy our ability to live out wonderful beautiful lifestyles and and if you think that that fear anxiety and that worry is going to go away when you get some more money or when your business kicks off to the ground you're totally wrong mm-hmm. it's something you need to to deal with early on in your career yeah. And that's going to allow you to skyrocket your business growth. A lot of people think it takes 10 years to become an entrepreneur. It takes 10 years to see success. It doesn't take 10 years. It takes when you, it takes when you make the conscious choice to change your mindset, when you make the conscious choice to take control of the thoughts you're having, that's when you'll start seeing success. success. And that's what I really want to bring to the industry. And, and I think that's beautiful. And I think for me, I'm sitting now thinking about what you're saying and I, th- I think there's a lot of just mums and dads out there as well, isn't there, who aren't entrepreneurs oh, who absolutely. can equally learn from yeah. what yeah. you're teaching, yeah. which is like you don't have to run around with to-do lists coming out your bottom, yeah. you know, Moodly busy, baggage. busy, 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 yeah. not ever being present, not taking joy out of the little things in life, mm-hmm. not really just pausing yeah. and going yeah. to 
Yeah. yeah. Especially because when we do that, we we're doing what we're teaching our kids are monkey see monkey do. When we do that, we're teaching our kids to live that way. And you don't want your child to grow up thinking they have to live in pain. Yeah. So you have to really, I say parents too. this neurohacking idea isn't just for entrepreneurs, even though I, I'm, that's who I mainly work with. I, I see a lot of my friends and families inflicting their limiting beliefs on their children. And it breaks my heart because it's your child will only be as good as you you are mm -hmm. and when you live in this i see a lot of parents living in this state of victimhood and this state of of why me and and you're passing that to your children and, and it breaks my heart every day that innocent children get put through this you know mm, no absolutely but it's yeah. that thing isn't it and I, i've should have before in the past about like if almost as an adult as a parent with a busy job you feel guilty I used yeah. to I don't know I, I I would feel guilty for relaxing or you know if I want mm. to just sit and watch tv I'll read a book I'll be, I would feel guilty for doing that doing because something. I should be doing something else and loads of people feel like that I don't mm. feel like that now but years ago I'd mm. be like oh I should be doing something and yeah. just so but where you <laughs> but where you relax, that's where growth happens. Absolutely. All of us are in such go, go, go mode. We don't realize that we need a second to relax. We need a second to get our feelings together. We need a second to get our emotions together or else we can't show up as our best selves. Like my nighttime routine is my favorite routine ever because that's me coming back to who I am. That's mm. me recharging so the next day I can attack because when you're just constantly go 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 and you don't take a second to breathe so a huge part of my program is always mindfulness and meditation um because that's how you truly bring your best self people think it has to be go 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 but you'll actually lose money that way because you won't be taking the time necessary to get your mind right and and you won't be making the best decisions for you or for your business that way so that's something I also love to teach as well Tell us, wow. give us a view of what your nighttime routine is then before we close up. Because a lot of people talk about morning routines. That's the big thing mm -hmm. since Halloween. Yeah. Tell us about your evening routine and what does that consist of? So my evening routine, I'm a big nature girl. I love the nature. I think nature has so many healing healing properties out like I'm just like looking nature at nature right now as we're speaking and I'm just in awe. Um but it's, it's really spending a time just immersing in nature. So um, I spend a few hours getting um, like reading, just meditating, just breathing in, doing a lot of deep breathing exercises. Um, and then I go on a nice mindfulness walk. So I just walk and I just feel everything. I feel how the wind touches my hair. I feel my feet as they hit on the floor. I, I look at the trees and I just fall in love. I think when you fall in love with nature, you mm -hmm. fall in love with yourself. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, at the end of the day, we are nature. We are created from the same hands that created nature. We are created by the same material that created nature. And nature is pure love. And I think when we were born, we were born on this earth as pure love and 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 the world inf imposed a lot of false beliefs on us. And we really created people who we are not. And falling in love with nature really brings you back to that pure love. So that's my whole night routine, nighttime routine is centered around just re-falling in love with nature, re-falling in love with myself. And if I had any stresses, any worries, any fears pop up that day, I do a lot of fear journaling. Um, journal those away before they because a lot of times we have fears and we have stresses and anxieties throughout the day and we just ignore them 
-hmm. And that's the worst because they'll, they'll tumble up like a snowball and create this big snowball effect. Um, so I, I really used my nighttime routine to tackle all the emotions I was feeling in that day to really set myself up for success in this, the next day. So. Um, I love that. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> what's the one thing that if you had, what's that one life lesson piece of advice that you want to give everybody is the, like the soundbite takeaway from listening to your life, some of your life lessons today, Mariah? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the main lesson I would like everybody to take is that the same, the same things that were sent in your life that you think were sent in your life to, to break you were actually sent in your life to make you. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we, we, when things, bad things occur in our life, we think, well, me, and we, we have a tendency to beat ourselves up or beat the world up or beat mm-hmm. whoever we believe, whatever higher power we believe in up. But by doing that, we really refrain and, and block ourselves off from being able to gain the lessons that were there. And at the same time, they're all blessings without my bipolar disorder. I would not be who I am today. I am so abundantly thankful for my bipolar disorder. I'm so abundantly thankful for every roadblocks in my life because that made me who I am today. And if you're not thankful for that, you won't be able to stand up courageously and say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, so yeah. That's beautiful. And I think Amazing. it's one thing to be thankful yeah. and another thing to feel yeah. like it's an abundant gift. So yeah. Um, yeah absolutely incredible and, and yeah. I know so many people will listen to what you said today and take that away and it'll really resonate with such a lot of people right so thank you for being so brave and sharing yes, it today thank you so much for letting of course. you hear your story <laughs> thanks Mariah thank bye. you bye, bye.